I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Jesse Kelly Show, another hour of the Jesse Kelly Show. We got Brian Dean Wright coming up 30 minutes from now. Former CIA ops going to tell us what's exactly happening in Sri Lanka. Why is it happening? Are there are there far-reaching consequences of all this thing? We have, uh, I mean, I can't wait on this before I get to Battle of Honor Monday. You know, in New York, people don't understand this. In New York, New York City I'm talking about. They have grocery stores there. I, I know you know this. They're just small. They don't have room. You know everything. Everything you find out in cities, especially old cities like New York City, it's small. It's tiny. Even your hotel. You go get some. They got me some. Uh, when the suits flew me up there to work on all this radio deal stuff a year from now, they got me this fancy hotel. I think it costs like two hundred fifty dollars a night or two three hundred bucks a night or something like that. Right? Some fancy hotel, dude. If you would have farted in that room, it would have gave you a concussion. And that's a nice room. It's just everything's small. Their, their grocery stores are small, too. See, everyone listening to the sound of my voice on 710WOR is just nodding their head and laughing right now. But you have to understand, people don't know this. Outside of New York, they call those grocery stores. In New York, the tiny little ones are called bodegas. 
I only explain that to you because I wanted to let President Biden, President Jill Biden, for some reason she's always out there giving campaign speeches, which is very odd. No one elected her to do anything at all. I don't know why she doesn't pipe down. But President Jill was giving another campaign speech, and she decided she was going to give a shout-out to the almighty bodega. And I'm not even doing a joke. That's how you say it. They're called bodegas, unless you're Jill Biden. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx, <laughs> as beautiful. <laughs> the Bogodas. And then right after that, she signed on with a good old fashioned. Buenas tardes. Buenas tardes. And we are out of here, everybody. <laughs> Gosh, that's so great. <laughs> That's all I have to say, Chris. I had to say it. All right. Now, without further ado, it's Medal of Honor Monday. And you know what? Don't forget. Don't forget. I'm going to do uh, World Economic Forum stuff in 10 minutes. And then Brian Dean Wright. And then I'm going to tell a story about a sea urchin. And in between a lot of this, I will take some phone calls tonight. Only because I promised you. Otherwise, I wouldn't. But uh, I'll give you all the number here in a little while. Now it's time for Medal of Honor Monday. We do this every single Monday. We always will. We do it at the same time every single Monday. This one is really long, and it's really awesome. It's from Vietnam. His name is Benny Atkins, and, well, I mean, this may be the longest one I've ever read. I'm trying to go through my head. This may be the longest one I've ever read because he did so much. But, look, without further ado, you just sit back and enjoy. Ready? Aim. Honoring those who went above and beyond. It's Medal of Honor Monday. Sergeant Benny, or Sergeant First Class Benny G. Atkins distinguished himself by acts of gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty while serving as an intelligence sergeant with Detachment A-102 5th Special Forces Group, 1st Special Forces, during combat operations against an armed enemy at Camp A. Shao, Republic of Vietnam, from March 9th to March 12th, 1966. This is the Green Berets, by the way, that's what this was. When the camp was attacked by a large North Vietnamese and Viet Cong force in the early morning hours, Sergeant First Class Atkins rushed through intense enemy fire and manned a mortar position, continually adjusting fire for the camp, despite incurring wounds as the mortar pit received several direct hits from enemy mortars. Upon learning that several soldiers were wounded near the center of the camp, he temporarily turned the mortar over to another soldier, ran through exploding mortar shells, and dragged several comrades to safety. As the hostile fire subsided, Sergeant First Class Atkins exposed himself to sporadic sniper fire while carrying his wounded comrades to the camp dispensary. When Sergeant First Class Atkins and his group of defenders came under, heavily, uh, under heavy small arms fire from the members of the civilian irregular defense group that had defected to fight with the North Vietnamese, he maneuvered outside the camp to evacuate a seriously wounded American and draw fire, all while successfully covering the rescue. When a resupply airdrop landed outside the camp perimeter, Sergeant First Class Atkins again moved outside of the camp walls to retrieve the much-needed supplies. I'm halfway through. During the early morning hours of March 10, 1966, enemy forces launched their main attack within two hours. And within two hours, Sergeant First Class Atkins was the only man firing a mortar weapon. 
All mortar rounds were expended. Sergeant First Class began placing effective recoilless rifle fire upon enemy positions. Despite receiving additional wounds from enemy rounds exploding on his platoon, Sergeant First Class Atkins fought off intense waves of attacking Viet Cong. Sergeant First Class Atkins eliminated numerous insurgents with small arms fire after withdrawing to a communications bunker with several soldiers. Running extremely low on ammunition, he returned to the mortar pit, gathered vital ammunition, and ran through intense fire back to another bunker. I'm still not done, by the way. After being ordered to evacuate the camp, Sergeant First Class Atkins and a small group of soldiers destroyed all signal equipment and classified documents, dug their way out of the rear of the bunker, and fought their way out of the camp. While carrying a wounded soldier to the extraction point, he learned that the last helicopter had already departed. Sergeant First Class led the group while evading the enemy until they were rescued by a helicopter on March 12, 1966. During the 38-hour battle and 48 hours of escape and evasion, fighting with mortars, machine guns, recoilless rifles, small arms, and hand grenades, it was estimated that Sergeant First Class Atkins killed between 135 and 175 of the enemy while sustaining 18 different wounds to his body. Sergeant First Class Atkins' extraordinary heroism and selflessness above and beyond the call of duty are in keeping with the highest traditions of military service and reflect great credit upon himself, Detachment A-102, 5th Special Forces Group, 1st Special Forces, and the United States Army. Other than that, what did he do over there, really? I mean, Chris, I mean, what, what did the guy actually get done over there? He... He murdered so many Vietnamese with various weapons. I don't even know. I, I mean, that's got to be some kind of a record. What a stud. Benny Atkins, remember the name. Look, that and President Jill Biden. Raul helped build this organization with the understanding that the diversity of this community, as distinct as the Bogodas of the Bronx. Bogodas of the Bronx. <laughs> Well, things are going very well. I mean, they also asked Jake Sullivan today, um, hey, uh, gas prices, Joe Biden's going to the Middle East. By the way, remember, Joe Biden's going to the Middle East. He just had to rest up first before he could get on Air Force One and go take two meetings in the Middle East. But he had to go to the Middle East. What's he going to do? Oh, well, you'll sleep well knowing we are officially a beggar country that has to go pleading with other nations for help. Chris, the button's not working. Oh, this stupid thing. The Well, that was going to be a clip of Jake Sullivan saying Biden will use every tool to get the Saudis. Apparently, he's going to use Chris. <laughs> Quit, Chris. Every Saudi to get the Saudis to lower oil and gas prices. So we are now sending the commander in chief overseas not to project strength, not to lead when it comes to negotiating deals for ourselves and others. We are sending the president of the United States of America overseas to beg. How embarrassing is that? There are risks for the president politically to go to Saudi Arabia with an expectation among the public that maybe there will be a specific deliverable when it comes to gas prices. What is the burden on the president to come home with something in that category? Well, I... It's up to you to characterize things like burdens on the president. What I can say is what the president intends to do. He intends to use every tool in his toolbox to try to create adequate global energy supplies and to bring the price of gas down for American working families at the pump. And that will be measured over time. 
can we get that price down and can we keep it down? And I don't think it's going to be measured on Friday or Saturday of this week. I think it will be measured over the weeks and months to come. And there we will sustain intensive engagement in our effort to ensure that at the end of the day, um, we're having a positive impact on the price of oil and thereby a positive impact on the price of gas. Mm, he's going to use every tool in his toolbox, you see. Now, maybe you're questioning whether I have very much to say about that. Actually, I have a lot to say about that because I think it's really important we understand something about what you're hearing and what you're seeing and what's going on right now. Just, just put that in your back pocket for just a moment. I will get to it, but... First, I'm going to actually try to save you money and get you a good night's sleep. You know, my pillow just got booted out of yet another big box store, Walmart. Of all places, my beloved Walmart just took Mike Lindell and my pillow and they kicked him out, told him he can't sell his stuff there anymore because Mike Lindell still believes uh, we have serious election integrity problems and we should talk about them. You want to talk about the the, uh, the system censoring people? Maybe go to my pillow right now because Mike Lindell got so heated about the whole thing. He has a flash sale going on on the glorious my pillows. If you've been holding out for another my pillow deal, nineteen dollars and eighty eight cents. You can get a my pillow for as low as nineteen dollars and eighty eight cents. I will warn you though, you will fall in love with them. Don't think you're going to get one and not get one for your husband. He'll steal yours, or not get one for your wife. They'll steal you. They're incredible. Go to mypillow.com. Click on the radio listener specials and use the promo code JESSE. MyPillow.com, promo code JESSE. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show on a Monday. If you missed any part of the show, including our long Medal of Honor Monday we just did, you can go to jesse at, well, wait a minute, no, that's how you email the show. That's stupid. If you missed the show, you have to podcast it. You have to go to iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. About 10 minutes from now, we're going to interview Brian Dean Wright, former CIA ops, about this whole Sri Lanka mess and the and the who, what's, when, where's, and why's about that. And after that, I'm going to tell my sea urchin in the bottom of my foot story. Realize I have to start repeating these stories I've told you so many times because we have so many new listeners. If there's one you'll want to hear again, feel free to email it in to jesse at jessekellyshow.com. And I finally will take some calls tonight, I guess. Just just don't suck, and I might take them again this week. 877-377-4373. 877-377-4373. Get right to the point. No hire, how are you? No, I love the show. No small talk. Get right to the point. Now. Before I get into this WEF, World Economic Forum, you know, climate change, insanity, this all ties right into it. I want to play this Jake Sullivan sound bit again. Again, Jake Sullivan's asked today about Joe Biden's trip to the Middle East. What are his plans? What's he wants to do? Just sit back and listen to this. There are risks for the president politically to go to Saudi Arabia with an expectation among the public that maybe there will be a specific deliverable when it comes to gas prices. What is the burden on the president to come home with something in that category? Well, I, 
it's up to you to characterize things like burdens on the president. What I can say is what the president intends to do. He intends to use every tool in his toolbox to try to create adequate global energy supplies and to bring the price of gas down for American working families at the pump. And that will be measured over time. Can we get that price down and can we keep it down? And I don't think it's going to be measured on Friday or Saturday of this week. I think it will be measured over the weeks and months to come. And there we will sustain intensive engagement in our effort to ensure that at the end of the day um, we're having a positive impact on the price of oil and thereby a positive impact on the price of gas. I want you to imagine something. I want you to imagine you came into the studio one day. You came into the studio. You raided the kitchen snacks. And we're all here. And then you came into this room where I get to make radio magic and TV magic. Don't forget, I have a TV show every night on the first TV, 9 p.m. Eastern. But you open up the door to the studio. And here I am. And instead of a chair... I'm sitting on a big pile of money, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Of, they're, they're in the stacks. I'm just sitting. That's what I sit on on the show. Look, everyone knows I'm not actually doing that or Chris wouldn't still be here. We all, we all get that. Okay, this money would have been in one of Chris's banks or something somewhere. But just for, for imagination's sake, for imagination's sake, let's say I'm sitting on a pile of money. And you walk in and you say, Jesse, starving family starving out of work the covid stuff kicked us out i got 12 kids they're hungry we're not going to be able to afford another meal jesse jesse can you help me and here i am sitting on this pile of money and i want you to imagine me looking at you and saying can i help you you need money oh man that's oh that sucks about your job and your kids are hungry oh gosh that's too bad i'll tell you what Look, I'm not making you any promises, all right? No promises at all. I'm going to run to the bank here in a little while, and I'm going to see if I have any money in my account, seeing if I can move some money around, and maybe, I mean, look, maybe, no promises. Again, maybe I'm going to be able to help you out, okay? That's the president of the United States of America leaving America, leaving the largest oil reserves in the world, largest in the world significantly, now that we have shale technology available, that's the United States president leaving the largest oil reserves in the world to go sit in front of a Saudi king and pretend like he wants more oil because he wants to lower the price at the pump for you. I want you to hear me. If you've never listened to another word I say, I know this is hard to hear. I just really, really need you to trust me on this. They don't want to lower your gas prices. They want to look like they're trying to lower your gas prices. It's very important that you think they're trying to help. They have every tool in the world available right there at their fingertips to lower gas prices. They don't want to lower gas prices. They want your gas prices actually to go up. They're trying to destroy an industry. They're attempting to destroy an industry. The oil and gas industry the world runs on, they're trying to destroy it. Maybe you're sitting there saying, Jesse, that would destroy the world. Yes, these people are communists. They believe in destroying the world. There have been several of them caught on camera flat out saying, I like this. In the end, this is making you transition. We need to accept that there will be 
some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will uh, will open up for missteps. Mm. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages on energy. It will create inflationary pressures. And maybe we need to start talking about that, that that pain is actually worth it. They're not trying to lower your prices. They're the child sitting there at dinner, staring at a plate full of peas, and you've told them they need to eat some of the peas before they can get up to leave, and so they're taking the peas, and they're spreading the peas, which are disgusting, by the way. They're spreading the peas all over the plate in the hopes that you will think they're eating. It looks like they're eating. They might be eating. That's why Joe Biden is going overseas to beg the Saudis for oil. He wants it to look like he's trying to ease the pain at the pump. They have no intention of easing the pain at the pump. They have for the longest time campaigned on giving you pain at the pump. This is what they want. This is not an accident. It's not a whoopsie. It's not a, oh, I can't believe our green policies did this. This was intentional. These people are mass murderers. They don't, they don't think of themselves, by the way, as mass murderers. It's, it's probably important for you to note that. Well, I mean, maybe it's not important. It doesn't really matter why you're killing me, but they don't know they're mass murderers. They don't think of themselves in those terms, but that's exactly what they all are. So we're going to ask Brian Dean Wright about that, about Sri Lanka, about food shortages. Why did this, why did this country from Asia, this prosperous country, why are they now starving to death there? Why, why, why? We'll talk to him about it. Next. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, and now welcoming in Cinnamon from the local Gentleman's Club here. Oh, no, actually, it's not. I just assumed that's what it was because of the musical choice. This is actually my friend Brian Dean Wright. He is the host of... Of the President's Daily Brief podcast, less than 20 minutes every day, less than 20 minutes, you get caught up on the news of the day on the way to work and sound way smarter. I do it every single day. Brian, uh, welcome. Or Cinnamon, I'm sorry. Sir, look, there are a few times in life when you just want your name played uh, next to that music, and my life is complete. I've been laughing for five minutes. I'm done. I, I can I can go home now to heaven. <laughs> All right. All right. Remember, we're going to get back to the phones when we're done with Brian. 877-377-4373. I have a lot I want to unpack with you first. Sri Lanka. I've yep. given my very, very, very layman's understanding of what's happening there. Here's what I know, Brian. At one point, people think about you know that area and they think every bird's a, a poor dump. At one point, that country very recently was quite prosperous and doing very well. Now they're pooping in the prime minister's pool and burning down his mansion. Why? Yep, you got it. That's where Sri Lanka was. Uh, very rich, very prosperous. Not anymore. So what we know is three things basically have happened over the past about 10 years. The first disastrous decision was debt. They took on a whole bunch of debt, billions and billions of dollars. About 10 to 20 percent of that was owned by the Chinese. So they've gotten to bed with a lot of people, and they owe them a lot of money. All right, well, that's fine so long as you can pay your bills. Well, that's where we have issue number two, COVID. So the pandemic strikes. They end up locking down their doors uh, to anybody coming in from outside of the country. That's an issue because tourism was a major source of foreign income. So 91% of all the tourists gone and all that revenue gone. Fine, but you might have a little bit more luck creating some revenue by exporting your agricultural products. Well, fair enough, but and, uh, we have an issue. The Sri Lankan government banned fertilizers and pesticides because they wanted to embrace this environmental movement of organic farming. 
And so the government in Sri Lanka said no more fertilizers, no more pesticides, and they just announced it overnight. And so a bunch of farmers woke up the next day, 30% of their labor force, suddenly they weren't able to grow, certainly not as much as they did before. So as you would expect, yields collapsed 20 to 70% of all the products that they normally send abroad to make that foreign exchange to buy things like oil and gas and whatnot, it's gone. So they have no ability to buy the basics that they need, plus their internal consumption of food, which they'd always been able to grow in the past, they're not able to because they don't have that, the, you know, the fertilizers and the pesticides. So you put all those things together, plus there was an issue around tax collection. They lowered maybe the taxes too much. Some people debate that. But the bottom line is those three things, debt, COVID lockdowns, and this really silly agricultural policy, boom, we get to this place of rapid, crazy inflation, no oil, no gas, now people are you know, pooping in pools at uh, presidential palaces, uh, and that's kind of what you get when you do silly things like locking down your country and locking out all of your foreign exchange. Brian, I, I have a really stupid question, but I know you're not surprised by that. You're used to that by now. But <laughs> debt, a, a country taking on a lot of debt. All right, you said they took on a bunch of debt, and China owns some of that. I, I know this is a dumb question. I know it, but I need you to lay it out for me. Why does that matter? Why did that hurt them? Why does piling on debt for a place like Sri Lanka or America, why is that important? Yes, hypothetically America. Well, to that point, we owe the Chinese over a trillion dollars, which is kind of a bad deal that we owe the Communist Party over a trillion dollars of our debt. But nevertheless, the issue is if you take on, much like in your personal life, a whole bunch of debt, you have to service that debt. And depending on the interest rates, that could be really challenging or it can be really difficult or not hard at all. But really, at the end of the day, are you working? Are you able to pay off that debt? Do you have that income to pay it off? Well, the moment that you end up you know, bumping up against some economic uh, troubles or turmoil and you lose your job or maybe you have a, a problem with your, your paycheck each, month, uh, each week or, or month being a little bit less than what it used to be, which is exactly what happened in Sri Lanka, you're not able to pay your bills. So that's the issue of indebtedness when countries face this. Now you got to start selling off your assets, which they may have to do. Or they're going to seek a bailout from people like the United States, the IMF, World Bank. They're going out with tin cup in hand saying, please, everybody out in the international community, help us out of this crisis. Because otherwise, our 22 million people could end up starving to death. And they're facing that really very, very scary prospect right now. Okay, Brian, what does it mean? And I know this is dumb. Again, we're speaking with Brian Dean Wright. He hosts the President's Daily Brief podcast, less than 20 minutes. Get smart on the way to work less than 20 minutes every day. Brian, uh, what does what is, what is a country go through from the country they owe money to when they owe money to them? I, I know, again, I, again, I know this sounds dumb, but I think it's fascinating and something people don't know. I'm Sri Lanka. I owe China a, a billion dollars. I know it's more than that. I owe China a billion dollars. Yeah. China dem- demands payment. I all of a sudden say, hey, I'm an idiot. I shut my country down for COVID. I'm not paying you this month. Well, China doesn't show up with a ball bat and threaten to cut their fingers off. So what do they do? Well, they go to do a couple different things. One, they can actually lock you out from the international system to borrow anything from anybody else. Or second, depending on what the country has offered up as collateral, it may be that the country has to offer up 
say, a port uh, or access to an airport or maybe some mines, maybe uh, the agricultural land, right? So now they have to give that up to China either permanently or, let's say, on a 99-year lease or something. So the point is Sri Lanka will have assets to pull from, um, and they're going to probably have to offer up some of that if people like the International Monetary Fund or the World Bank or others don't give them the many billions of dollars they need, not to just pay off China and other people out of their debt, but to just start buying oil and gas. I mean, everything is shut down right now. There are queues for miles of long, uh, miles long of, of lines to get oil and gas. They've shut down schools. I mean, nothing is functioning. It's like a, an engine that's run out of oil, quite literally in, in this case, and it's seized up. I mean, that is the country of Sri Lanka right now. Brian, can you explain why it's so important for the world that this Russia-Ukraine conflict resolve itself quickly, no matter no matter where you're at on the whole thing, sick of it, you still got a Ukraine flag wrapped around you, all that's fine, but we need it to end. Why, Brian? Yeah, a couple reasons. First, the wheat wars. We know that the Russians are using wheat as a form of a, of a weapon. They're holding on to it. They're taking it from Ukraine. And a lot of that used to get out to the world into poor countries like Sri Lanka. It's not getting there anymore. And the prices for what is available is incredibly high. It's come down a little bit in the last month, but it's still very high historically. That means a lot of very poor countries aren't going to be able to buy it. And they're going to have starving people all around the world to include people that used to buy our stuff. They were our trade partners. So that's why we care. The second one, and this is the biggie, Europe right now is, is petering on a major economic collapse this winter if they don't get natural gas, which they normally get from Russia. They can't get all of what they need, even from us, and we're doing our level best to get it into Europe. But at the end of the day, they are our largest uh, export partner. They buy most of what we send abroad in terms of all the countries and regions in the world. So we've got to end this conflict there if for no other reason that we have to stabilize Europe because they are in a major, major mess if they don't get that natural gas. And if they don't, by the way, we're going to continue to send ours. And that's a problem because this winter, your natural gas, the plants that make your electricity, they're going to have to be buying this stuff on the open market. Prices are going to be massively high. Your electricity bills are going to go up all because Europe can't figure out where to get its natural gas now that Russia's turning off the spigot. So big, big implications here in the United States if this war continues to go on. Gosh, I feel so much smarter now. I am so much smarter now. Brian Dean Wright, go subscribe to the President's Daily Brief podcast. I listen to it every day on the way to the studio. Thank you, my brother. You betcha, Bill. I seriously do. I listen to it every day. And then whenever I'm talking to friends, they ask me about an issue, and I basically repeat whatever Brian says on there. And I don't give him any credit. What, Chris? I don't give him any credit at all. And it feels so good when they feel inferior and dumber than me. And, of course, I lord that over them as a good friend does. <laughs> we are going to talk. Well, you and me. We're going to talk on the phone next. I'm going to tell you my sea urchin story. and We're going to have more fun. But first, you need to do me a favor. And you need to go to Hero2020.com. Hero2020.com. Don't worry. The website itself is free. I'm not, not charging you money. But I want you to go, and I want you to get a Hero non-lethal gun. And maybe right now you're saying, Jesse, hey, I'm a gun guy. I, I don't need a Hero gun. What do I need a Pepper gun for? I have one. It's an excellent sup supplement to my self-defense. I can think of a thousand situations where I wouldn't want to put someone down for good, and that's why I have a Hero gun. 
Actually, I carry the Hero Arrow now personally myself as well as my Glock 19. Or maybe you're saying, Jesse, I don't like weapons. Fine. It's a non-lethal gun. It's uh, Think of it like a pepper shooter. But it will debilitate somebody. It will save your life. You can use it. It's got a laser sight. Point and squeeze. Doesn't require a concealed carry permit. Will save the life of you or the person who means the most to you. Go to Hero2020.com. Code JESSE gets you a special discount. Hero2020.com. Code JESSE. State restrictions may apply. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, final segment of the Jesse Kelly Show, and I am going to tell you the story of a sea urchin in the bottom of my foot. We're going to make fun of President Jill Biden more and more. We have World Economic Forum talk, and I'm going to take phone calls tonight. 877-377-4373-877-377-4373. And I have no idea why I slowed down so much when I gave you that phone number. That was weird, Chris. Sometimes, Chris, look, when you're Leonardo and you're making what, Chris, and you're making a sculpture or a painting or whatever that idiot did, you have to understand, you have to let creative juices flow, Chris. Why do I come back here and paint a masterpiece every day behind the microphone? How do I do it? I can't answer that question for you. It's like Leonardo trying to tell you why he watercolors or whatever. That's the point. What? He didn't watercolor? What's what? Anyway, Seth in St. Louis. Go, Seth. Yes, see, I have a question for you. Yes, sir. Is Michael Berry going to be on the show today? Michael Berry's not going to be on the show today, Seth. Why? Well, because you uh, want him to tell us what kind of car you got. Because the thing is, <laughs> poor Seth. <laughs> poor Seth is just dying. I almost feel bad at this point in time. I'm so tempted. I am so tempted at this point. <laughs> Look, Seth. I'll tell you. All right. I'm going to tell you. You ready? I mean, I'm not going to tell you yet, but I'm going to tell you at some point in time. Don't worry. I will say it. All right. Now, how someone has written in and they requested it. Well, this is the this is the email. Dr. Jesse, pardon me if I'm mistaken, but I think when Michael Berry was pushing you into the limelight, he told a story of someone apparently appearing, uh, slamming too many butt heavies and decided to go swimming with the sea urchins. Okay. One, that is a gross oversimplification of what happened. So here's what happened, and then I'll get to your phones, 877-377-4373. In the Marines, I don't know if it's still this way. I need to emphasize that. I got out in 2004, so when I tell you stories about things that happened in the Marines, I'm telling you older stories. Maybe things are different. Back then, this is how it worked when you went to an infantry unit. Again, I was in the infantry. In an infantry unit, this is how it worked. You did. There's a the, the, think of think of a two year period as as four different six month stretches, right? You would do three fourths of that stretch in America on your whatever base you were in, whether that's Camp Lejeune, Camp Pendleton, 
or if you're an unlucky person like me, you got stuck in 29 Palms, which is in the middle of the desert. But you did three-fourths of your two years, of, of a two-year stretch there, and then you would go for six months. You would deploy somewhere. But again, this was pre-combat. At least when I first joined, it was pre-combat. The deployment is not a combat deployment. The various units would do various things. There were units out of Camp Pendleton. I know a lot of them, they got on ships for six months. And they went and enjoyed Australian beer for a while and did various things out on out on ship. That's not what we did. What we did was we got sent for six months to Okinawa, Japan. Now, from Japan, from there, we went and did different things. We did warfare training in Mount Fuji. And we went to Thailand and did jungle training. And, and so you do a bunch of things there. But you're deployed. You live there for six months. Now, I'm not complaining about it. Obviously, it's a Marine Corps base, so it's not the nicest thing in the world. However, it is a tropical island. There are beaches, and you give Marines a big horseshoe pit or or a volleyball net or something in a bunch of in a beach, in a grill where they can grow out some meats, maybe a one or two bud heavies. Marines can have a good time. Sometimes we would get after it early. Marines love competition in all things. doesn't matter what it is. And we would have these huge horseshoe tournaments. We got up early one Saturday. I don't remember exactly what time. I think 8, 9 a.m. And I, I know that's not early, but it's early to start a horseshoe tournament that's supposed to go all day. And we started playing horseshoes all day. And I'm certainly not going to say it, it was me because I would never do such a thing. But they were bringing in Bud Heavies all day long. Case after case after case after case. And yes, Chris, I did. Okay, yes, it was me. I was trying to beat around the bush. Okay, yes, it was me. How many? I don't know, Chris. All right, I don't know. It was a long day. And at some point in time, towards the end of the day, I decided I wanted to swim. And I do have to explain, I don't... Well, I should explain that I don't have an explanation for this. I have always found comfort on and in the water, and I don't know why. I honestly don't know why. We went, but our neighbors had a pool. Uh, one of my dad's friends when I was a kid had a pool in Ohio, and we would go over there and we'd swim all day long, all day. You know about the story of my dad teaching me to swim by throwing me off a houseboat in Tennessee. We don't have to go into my trauma that I still go through from that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm fine. But fishing with my old man uh we would go to the beach uh myrtle beach in i think south carolina or virginia gosh why can't i remember where myrtle beach is now virginia myrtle beach we'd go down to it's not a very nice beach but it was great for us it was all we needed i was always in the ocean always in a lake always in a pool and for most of my life including now i find comfort on the water that's not just in a boat i like being out on the ocean i like being in a lake i like being in a river I like being in the water, too. I like to swim. I don't know why. Today, well, on that day, it turned out to be a little bit of a mistake. Why? I will tell you why, and then I'll take your phone calls in just a moment. 877-377-4373.
Jesse Kelly here. If you're in a situation where you feel threatened, instinct may drive you to reach for lethal means immediately. But we all want to avoid the irreversible consequences of deadly force. Enter the Berna Less Lethal Pistol Launcher, equipped with tear gas and kinetic ammo to incapacitate an attacker for up to 40 minutes. It's legal in all 50 states, requires no background checks, and can be shipped right to your door. Visit Berna.com slash Jesse now for an exclusive 10% discount. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.